Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. At Passage to Profit, we're all about the creativity, energy, and excitement that comes from starting your own business. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Yes, people just like our listeners. People who are excited about taking a leap of faith and starting their own business. With so many tools and opportunities, there's never been a better time to start your own project. Get inspired by listening to Passage to Profit right here on WOR 710. You'll get great advice from those who made the journey and get great tips and inspiration. Tonight we have, as our special guest, Mark Goldner and Rachel Corson from Golden Bell. They founded Golden Bell Studios and with Rob Gross, who is not here tonight, but he's their team member and they've been building an entertainment company focused on comics, animation, children's books, games, stuffed animals, and much, much more. They also started Comics for Change, whose mission is to bring entertainment to every part of the world, which is not a small mission, by the way. But how do you plan to do that? (laughs) With a lot of hard work. (laughs) Definitely starts with our backstory. I had kind of come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, I'd always wanted to be involved in the entertainment business, and we'll talk about like kind of how we got there. But Rachel, uh, Rob, and I, we had all went to Ohio State. Rachel and I have been dating for seven years now. Go Buckeyes. Yeah. <laughs> OH. <laughs> and it's kind of a, a huge mission. I, I had worked in uh, the water purification business before, and I had realized how much entertainment was lacking kind of around the world in different regions, and that's something that I really thought would be a good foundation for the company. I started off as an artist, I guess, ever since maybe fourth or fifth grade. I was just drawing random pictures. I got into a lot of anime and manga. um, And then in college, I started studying graphic design. I'm like, eh, this isn't really for me. And I switched over to animation. Uh, We met Rob in school and we started writing stories together. And he was also really interested in developing all these different stories um, for kids, for adults, for anybody. And we felt like pairing up with him would bring forth that mission of and bringing entertainment everywhere and to whoever really wanted to see something new and exciting. But Rob was not always this way. No, he was not. He but was not. <laughs> now um, he is. <laughs> when, when we uh, went on semester at sea for study abroad, um, after the first uh, stop, we were at uh, La Rioja in uh, Spain and called up uh, Rob after we had went to this winery. And Rachel was like, oh, this place is so scary because it was like underground. There were no lights. And then Rachel's roommate was like, oh, this would be a great place for a party. And I'm like, that's a horror movie. Um, And we realized that I know Rob is such a huge horror buff. I I called him up when we got back to the boat and said, has there been a horror movie ever like this? And he's like, no, it sounds like a stupid idea. And <laughs> Most and, horror movies but, are. So, did you do it? <laughs> so uh, he surprised us. Literally a week later, we had a first draft of, of a script uh, called Blood in the Barrels, and that was really like our first collaboration that wound up having yielding a completed script. And then from there, Rob and I had taken a lot of uh, film classes, uh, and we had been writing scripts throughout college, as Rachel had said, and Rachel was drawing a lot of these, uh, storyboarding them. And that's kind of how our collaboration started. It was in school and then kind of towards the end where now we said, okay, we're going to start a company together. So you have a, one big umbrella company, but you have quite a few smaller companies underneath it, correct? Yeah. What's your favorite one? 
my personal favorite is stuffed animals because I'm a stuffed animal junkie. So <laughs> um, our most popular one is the marshmallows who we have here. He's a big, white, fluffy, stuffed marshmallow-looky guy. We're actually writing a story with him, too. So uh, part of that collaboration, again, is um, working with Rob and Mark. They came up with a lot of the script, and now I'm doing the graphic novel for it. So that's really exciting. And then I guess my second favorite would have to be the licenses because that's kind of newer for us right now. And um, it's a lot of our favorite TV shows. Like, I know Mark's favorite show is Lost. So. It is. <laughs> it is. I've seen the show one too many times. I've seen it eight times right now. So, so when you say licenses, what do you mean? So we're doing um, board games and card games. And for some of them, we're also doing stuffed animals. So um, for Lost, we're doing... Um, First, we're releasing a bunch of card games that fit the theme of the show, and we're doing, if you've seen the show, there's a smoke monster that's very uh, prominent, and we're making a stuffed animal of him, and you push the little, like, lost icon, and, like, the smoke monster ticka ticka sounds go off, and, like, for, like, people that love the show, they're going to probably freak out. I hope they'll freak out, but uh, <laughs> it's really I freaked cool. out when I saw it, and I consider myself one of the biggest fans. Yeah. So, a lot of our listeners probably have had ideas where they would like to get a license to a popular character, a popular movie and do something with it, make a toy out of it, a board game. How did that process work for you, and how much does it cost? I mean, how much of your um, revenue do you have to turn back to the content creator? It's actually a very interesting. Uh, so I had m my father, I mentioned, uh, very entrepreneurial. He actually uh, he's in the licensing business, uh, more on the luggage uh, ski side, and he actually has Kickstarter right now, uh, Sky Valet. Um, that's on right now. And... Kind of, I learned a lot from him, and when we had uh, gone to a lot of these trade shows that I was talking about, uh, places like New York Comic Con, C2E2 is where a Disney agent walked up to us and said, hey, uh, would you like to work on Lost? And we're like, yeah, we absolutely would. It's our favorite show. Um, it's me and Rob's favorite show, Rob and I. And kind of when we're doing these negotiations, I had mentioned earlier that they are these enormous contracts, sometimes 40, 50 pages. Um, wow. Yeah, they're they're pretty extensive, and it's for mutual protections. Uh, so when we're negotiating the contracts, we're negotiating on a lot of things, things like we're keeping our intellectual property, whether it's uh, game design or mechanics or specific art that's non-related to the show. Um, so I'm primarily negotiating with these licensors. We work with uh, Disney, Nickelodeon, Viacom, Sony, um, on properties like Superbad, um, SpongeBob SquarePants, and Lost was kind of, really the first big big one um and the think, royal yeah i think like the big stuff like the big talking points with them were like how much the royalties were the minimum guarantees um like how long our licensing period was for our development period um some they all varied on like how long they wanted to give us for development um their approval processes are all different too which is really interesting so like when we're doing the game design or the art um, sometimes they'd like us to like walk through the games with them of how they work on the phone. Sometimes they want us to come in person and actually play it with them. And then things like art, if there's like little things that they want changed, they'll be like, add these sparkles back in here or um, <laughs> um, change the size of this or this tag for this stuffed animal. We can't use these images because we don't have the right. So it's all, they're all very different in how they, and in how they work. They're very detailed. But how did mm -hmm. you even get to the point where you could talk to them about a license. Did they approach you? Did you approach them? Some some so, we approached. Well, the first one, Disney, they Disney approached, approached us, us first. Yeah. And I think since we 
we, we tried to approach people first and a lot of people didn't answer us and we got lucky that <laughs> I, I, I thank you for saying that yeah. it's, it's not just it. you just don't walk into Comic-Con oh, no. and oh, say no. I want to I no. license uh, some uh, Superman character no. for oh, my God, sippy no. cup it's, right you know it's I yeah. wish it was like that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not that easy. Once we had our first license under our belt, definitely we noticed a, a much more ease of use because it, it's a club. It, people in the licensing business, everyone knows everyone. And but don't 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 get us wrong. That's still we still have to like send our products for them to see oh, like the quality yeah. to see like what we're producing. We give them like our whole backstory. I think like they even do credit checks and they stuff do. like that. It's like a whole process. Lima, uh, Lima, the licensing uh, trade expo in Las Vegas. That's, that's something really important. You can actually meet these licensors in person and pitch them ideas. Um, in terms of kind of how much it costs, Rachel briefly talked about it. It can really range depending on the term limit of the uh, license. It could be two years uh, with a six-month development or five years with a two-year development, depending on like the scale, whether it's like a huge board game or a simple stuffed animal. So the, the prices really can range from in the thousands to the tens to hundreds of thousands. Um, it really does vary, especially how big the property is, whether you're talking about a newer property or something classic like SpongeBob SquarePants um, or a legacy property at ABC like Lost. So do they tell you which genre you have to do? Like, is it anime? Is it stuffed animals? Is it a board game? Or can you use your own creative license with that? We come to them with the category we want to work in. So I think uh, games and stuffed animals are in the same trademark category. I, you would know better than I know. They are, <laughs> they are, they are category 26. Absolutely. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, That's pretty good. <laughs> So we, we show them based off the category we'd like to do. And I think because right now we're very um, heavily involved in stuffed animals and board games that that's the first thing we, we go for. And then with a bunch of properties, we'd like to do things like graphic novels, but they'd like us to prove ourselves first with these things before we and ask to go into other categories. It's a different team as well. Uh, mm. So at uh, the Walt Disney Company, they actually have uh, Disney consumer uh DCP, Disney Consumer Products, uh, deals with the merchandising. Then they have um, a DPG, Disney Publishing Group, that deals with the comics and the novels. So they're actually different companies at Disney. Similar, obviously, we're on a much smaller scale, but how we have stuffed moles with our stuffed animals and golden games with our gaming division. So kind of everything is very separated and specific. Can you give us or our, our listeners some advice about... If they want to approach one of these companies, what things do they need to show the uh, licensor, the licensing company, in order to maximize their chances of getting a, a deal? I think definitely put together a good presentation of what you've done before. Um, also, really show your expertise and what you can do for them and really have a good solid idea of the marketing you're going to do, what your retail plan is. Unfortunately, it is kind of expensive for some of them. So just be aware of how much money you may need to set aside to pay them um, up front and throughout the years of depending on how long your, your license is. And definitely get an accountant if you don't know how to do kind of projections. That's uh, the financial side is sometimes the deal breaker for these licensors. But really work if you're pitching something, work on something you love. Uh, don't work on something that you think is popular and will make a quick buck because these licensors, they know if you know the property and they want you to know it sometimes better than them because you can help steer them in that you know your audience and your market the best. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt and we're here with Mark Goldner and Rachel Corson from Golden Bell Studios. 
We'll be back right after this message. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now a little bit of information about the rest of the show. We have three entrepreneurs pitching their companies tonight. And after the pitches, you, our listeners, can go to the Passage to Profit page at GearhartLaw.com and vote for your favorite pitch. That's GearhartLaw, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So the voting is open for a week, but everyone only gets to vote once. So everybody needs to get their friends to vote, and they can tell them to remember the name of the show by imagining walking down a passageway with a huge pot of gold at the end, Passage to Profit. And may your passage be short and your profit be huge. (laughs) Very huge. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to be on the show... Come to a Passage to Profit meetup in New York and pitch your idea to us or get a hold of us through email or call us or something. You do have to be in New York to tape, but you don't have to audition in New York. So go to the meetup website or just Google Passage to Profit show and sign up. It's that simple. It's free to be on the show. All we ask is that you promote the show on your social media. So Mark and Rachel, this has been fascinating. Let's continue now with the second half of your segment. We had talked about some things that you wanted to bring up, so dive right in. I'd like to kind of go into giving some more advice right away about really how it takes years and years to build something like what we've been doing up. And you, as I said, you have to really love what you're doing. And it's a lot of passion. But at the same time, if Rob was here, he'd say there's also a lot of adversity where sometimes we all are at each other's throats and we each think we know the best way to do it. And kind of leading into a bunch of our products that uh, we have is the contender is the best example of that where it's the right now it's the best selling political card game on Amazon and it's just like politics where people have different opinions in our business and sometimes it takes all of us to give those opinions to get to where we need to go and a game like the contender is something really simple uh, it's just you're laying down a debate card and then as the moderator and then you're judging the other two people in the game and you're trying to craft the best argument based on a specific topic and that's kind of very similar in our line of games with golden games that are these party style very uh, easy to just play and play on the go Uh, something also like movie buff which was one of our uh, first games at golden games uh, which is a movie trivia game where you're laying down different cards like movie actor role and quote and you're trying to It's like Uno. It's like Uno meets movies where you can say Star Wars and someone can lay down a quote card and say, may the force be with you. And Mm. then you have an actor and then you have Harrison Ford. But then someone can lay down an edit card and then go to Indiana Jones and put down a quote and say, I hate snakes. (laughs) (laughs) So 
<laughs> Th- those two are kind of like our big party games for everyone. But then we have Pretending to Grown Up. Pretending to Grown Up is um, probably one of my more favorite games. It's a uh, it has a lot of really cute artwork, and if you read web comics, um, a lot of web comic artists donated like artwork for one of the cards in the game. Um, and I think what makes all these different card games a lot of fun is that people who may not necessarily like card games or are new to it, these are very general and easy to play. So you can kind of bring this anywhere and someone can pick it up and learn it in a couple minutes. So I think that's really cool. And um, with producing all of these, for your viewers to kind of get an idea of how to go about making a card game if they're interested, um, there's a lot of trade shows that you can go to, like um, Book Expo that a lot of printing companies go to, that you can go and meet the factories in person if you can't necessarily go overseas or if you want to look online for different sourcing opportunities. But feel free to try out as many factories as you feel fit. If you can't find a good fit for you, like don't get discouraged. Like it could happen. Sometimes pricing isn't good and sometimes quality isn't good. So don't don't ever get discouraged about that. Just there's someone out there for you that can help you make whatever product you want to make, whether it's a game, a book, a stuffed animal. Um, there's choices out there. And when you find that person, take the trip to China, if that's where you decide to go. One of our advisors, my dad, um, he's been going there for 20 years. I've been to China as well. But having someone on the ground there just to see a face-to-face presence is so, so important for a very long-standing relationship. Um, It's kind of the culture overseas there, and that's something that's worth the trip. It's worth the investment. Um, Yeah, I think when we were making my children's book, like the color didn't turn out good, so we like switched printers for the like book halfway through like we got a sample and everything we're like ah this isn't working so we switched to a different printer so love of a bingo lancer (laughs) (laughs) it's really Um, cute (laughs) that's actually how we had started rachel and i had that was our first real like collaboration with one of my old professors paul gullen um who actually just passed away recently um he was one of our mentors and advisors and it was something we've been working on since 2012 Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a while ago. Years we before we didn't Bell. really know how we were going to start doing it. And I guess a good way for us that we started was that one of Mark's professors was looking for someone to illustrate his book. So if you're looking for a way to get into illustration or writing, like if you don't necessarily have a professor that can help you with that, just go on Facebook, like Facebook groups. There's like illustration groups, writing groups, and people are looking for artists or writers if they don't necessarily have that skill. And you can just team up online. Like, there's there's so many different ways to do it. That sounds like great <laughs> advice. You know, it's so amazing still how card games and board games are still selling in the digital age, right? I mean, everybody yeah. carries everything around on their cell phone. but People you, want to disconnect, yeah. But, but people want to disconnect. They want that interpersonal communication. Mm-hmm. And these are great vehicles for, yeah. for doing that. So can we move to your product that has... What was it, a million followers on I was actually just going to bring that up because it's a great segue from pretending and kind of the sadness we were just talking about. Lunar Baboon um, is a comic. We have uh, we just hit over a million followers on Facebook. And the artist, uh, Chris Grady, he is actually from Long Island, where Rachel and I are from. And he was one of the guest artists on Pretending to Grown Up. Uh, he was did one of those guest artist cards, and then uh, we had worked on a board game, Parenting is Easy. Uh, Chris, Rob, and I. Uh, <laughs> Are you a parent? <laughs> Parenting is easy, that's right. Yeah. Do you have any um, real actual experience? It, 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 no one's getting, we it, don't it, mean it, your dog right, I either. I guess it doesn't re- make a difference, right? <laughs> well, you're playing as the kids, trying to drive the parents crazy. Oh, well, that's oh, well, easy. That's, yeah. that's, that's easy. easy. We have experience um, with that, too, by the way. And then Chris, uh, Rob, Rachel, and I, we're, uh, we're writing a book, uh, 
we, Rachel, Rob, and I were um, in a car going to Michigan, and we said, let's write a book called The ABCs of Parenting because we've driven our parents crazy. And that's kind of how <laughs> we started working with Chris and making the anxiety troll plush. So Chris's comic deals with a lot of uh, depression um, and kind of parenthood and being able to deal and overcome a lot of adversities in life. So it kind of fit very well with a lot of what Rob says, part of our mission is being able to overcome that adversity I mentioned. So what kinds of adversities come up in this book? The book itself is more an ABC book, but his comic focuses on like parenthood of just like raising kids and kind of just dealing with like work life and being able to have that balance and just everyday anxieties that people kind of can have just that come out of nowhere. Can you give us some examples? Yeah. And it's not just us. Even everybody else has I think there was one about work where, like, the he has an anxiety troll character that just, like, pops up over his shoulder and, like, says, like, you're not good enough or, uh, like, just very negative phrases. And um, you just see the character in the last panel kind of pushing it away a lot of the times. And it's a really good message. So this is Lunar Baboon you're talking about? This is about? Lunar Baboon. So um, how did it go viral on Facebook? Do you know? This is a question. One of our professors, Rachel and I's professor, Robert Kelly uh, at Ohio State, we're going to try to figure out how it went viral. Virality is something that uh, Robert actually studies. Um, no one's really sure. Uh, we have theories <laughs> that it went uh, crazy on Reddit, um, that it got shared by a couple influencer accounts, but the actual how it happened we don't know we do a lot of facebook ads twitter and instagram we've done okay but like facebook you can really know your audience um and that's something that it's like the shows have been really the best for us because you build an audience and then we have a another one of our uh, best-selling properties uh from eric craddock um stone rabbit we had one of his fans from 10 years ago come up to us in New York Comic Con this year and be like, oh my God, is Eric here? I read that when I was in middle school. Wow. And it's just the time that something content can be pervasive in pop culture. And that's why you're seeing this age of nostalgia, these these reboots that some people may not like. But um, I think uh, there's an HBR uh, Harvard Business Review study that Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton remake, whether you love or hate it, is this reinvigorated the idea that you can remaster, reboot things, and we just couldn't have really predicted that. We have a smaller account called yep. The Valued Mansion. It has maybe 20,000 followers on Instagram. The author, Azel, her DeviantArt, I think, reached almost a million page views. So like, I think also just spending a long time on the internet itself, I think the story um, and the artwork have been around for maybe almost eight or nine years so just people share it around and it, it also just gets around and I think like when we came in for for Valued like we're doing a 2D animation for it and a lot of people saw like stills we were doing for that and started sharing that and I saw like a spike kind of in relation to when I posted that and people started sharing it so I think being online for a long time posting consistent content um about whatever you're working on is important. Yeah, and if you guys want to check any of this out, you can go to goldenbellstudios.com. We're here tonight with Mark and Rachel from Golden Bell Studios, and you're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be right back after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own 
own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. And now it's time for the pitch portion of the program. Each contestant will have a total of eight minutes to make their pitch. The first two minutes, they fly solo. And for that time, describe their project and put it in the best possible light. The remaining time is for the Inquisition, where they'll be challenged by Richard, Elizabeth, Mark, and Rachel to describe their project in greater detail and convince the audience their project is the best. At the end of the program, our listeners will be directed to the Passage to Profit page on the Gearheart Law website, where our listeners can vote for the pitch they liked the best. So our first pitch tonight is by Sabine Harabedian with Emily. Welcome, Sabine. Thank you very much for having me. So here's my story. Four years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Luckily, it was caught early, so I'm now cancer-free and doing well. But um, I still had to go through three surgeries, and when I came home, um, after my double mastectomy, less than 24 hours um, from the hospital, the only place I wanted to be was my own bed. So I got in bed, but then I realized that between the pain and the uh, instruction from the surgeon not to use my arm, I could barely move. I was stuck in bed. I, I just couldn't get out. And um, that was very hard. I was young, um, very active, and that loss of uh, mobility and independence uh, was really a low point for me in my um, journey with cancer. I uh, kept thinking there has to be a better way. And I made the promise at the time that uh, if I could, I would find a solution to help other people in my situation so that they could just get some mobility in their own bed. So um, using my engineering background and the help of a good friend who is a great um, industrial designer, I have developed the Ableift Recliner. It's a piece of equipment that helps you get in and out of bed it's um, a motorized device that you put on your mattress. There's a piece of foam, a memory foam that comes on top. And basically at the touch of a button, you're going to be able to adjust from a laying down to a reclining position to sitting all the way up. So basically within um, minutes, you are making your own bed adjustable, like a, an electric bed, but a fraction of the cost. So the product is available on the market. We launched um, in 2018. We've been receiving great feedback from the users and from physicians and practitioners. Uh, we are selling through our own website. We also have some presence in DME stores. And we look forward to um, spreading the word and finding uh, a lot of uh, users. So what is your website? ablysolutions.com. It's A-B-E-L-Y solutions with S.com. I'm looking at your brochure and I think What's really amazing about this is that you can go from laying down to sitting up and get out of bed. I don't think people realize unless they have a problem where they can't use their arms, how much you use your arms to move around. Push yourself up, get it in and out of bed. So this is really amazing. Yes, yeah, so it's really helpful for people post-surgery. Um, anyone with um, 
low upper body strength, uh, either like a shoulder surgery, any abdominal surgery, and also obviously for people who are aging and getting more frail, so they do or um, they are losing their strength. So we also um, have a third segment, um, and it is post-surgery, but it's also for the woman, pregnant woman actually, who are doing, um, have to be on bed rest. It's a very good way to be comfortable and recline um, comfortably. It's also um, helpful post-C-section if they need to have a C-section. And also for breastfeeding, it's been uh, proven to be really comfortable. How can your product work with something like kyphosis or scoliosis? Is it able to kind of adapt to those type of things? Because I had actually torn a ligament in my spine a while ago, and that's something that crops up every now and then where I can barely get out of bed. It's case by case. Some people actually do benefit from being at a slight incline. Some people actually should be totally flat. So it really depends. But we've gotten really good feedback from people who have had back problem and really benefited from it. Also people who need to sleep at an incline for uh, respiratory, uh, chronic disease. And also one thing I want to mention, it's portable device. So you can actually put it at the foot of the bed. And if you need to, you can raise your legs. So mm-hmm. for people who have some indications or so bad, like water retention or something like that, um, because it is portable, anybody can actually take it with them on the go. So they are staying at a hotel and they need some help. They are visiting family and um, need the help that they have at home through like an electric bed. They can actually rent it or purchase it. So it's uh, we're finding it just very versatile and addressing a, a very wide uh, market. Sabine, tell us, what does your invention look like and how does it work? The lift is actually quite compact. It looks a little bit like a book that is closed when you put it on your mattress And as you raise yourself up, the cover of the book, so the backrest is going up all the way to a 90-degree angle. So it really gives you the support to prop you up into a sitting position and then engage into a standing position. It's actually the only product on the market that raises all the way to 90 degrees. None of the electric or hospital beds do that. So for someone who does need the, the assistance, it's very helpful. And so you plug this in. It's an electric motor that does the work, right? Yes, it's motorized. Yes, it's electric. Um, It comes all assembled. There's no assembly required, so very easy to use. There is a very comfortable memory foam mattress that fits on top of the device, and that's where the uh, user is uh, laying down. As I mentioned, you can use it near the, the bed, the headboard, or at the footboard for the legs. So I'm looking at the picture of it. It kind of looks like a futon bottom with the part of it, like half of it looks like a futon bottom with the mattress over the top. And I'm seeing that somebody's carrying it. So it looks like it's easy to transport. How much does this weigh? By itself, the device is 20 pounds. All together with the mattress and any accessories, it's about 30 pounds. So when we ship, it's a, it's a 30 pound package that will come to your door. So obviously, if it's someone who is just out of the hospital, they cannot lift it by themselves. But anyone who's helping out can you know, definitely carry it. Uh, One thing that I wanted to mention is caregiver safety. This is really a great way also to address caregiver safety because lifting someone up from a laying down position all the way to a sitting position is very difficult and uh, a lot of people hurt their backs. So you are actually providing safety for the caregiver. We are uh, patent pending, so we are looking forward to uh, getting the patent on the product. I just wanted to mention we have received uh, an award for innovation at uh, the Metroid show in uh, October. Yeah, it's uh, the biggest medical equipment trade show here in the U.S. 
and uh, we got the uh, silver medal for um, the best innovative product. The product is made in the U.S. We uh, import some components, but most of the components are coming from the U.S. and Canada, and uh, the product is made here. How do you plan to distribute the product? I mean, you've got the website. Are you doing anything else besides that? Oh, yes. We're working very hard to try to spread the word. So we're trying to harness the power of social media to uh, send um, the word out that the product is available. Um, we are also working with some um, DME, durable medical equipment stores, so that the product is actually available in some of the stores here in the city, um, in Connecticut, in, uh, in New Jersey. Facebook ads um, and trade shows, uh, you know, distribution is key. And I think that's something that, you know, anybody would um, relate to as far as being an entrepreneur. We're trying to go direct because obviously the margins remain bigger, but we also need to acknowledge that we need to um, go through some distributors. Where can our listeners find you again? Our website is www.abelysolutions.com. It spells A-B-E-L-Y solutions with an s.com. Thank you, Sabine. That was fascinating. You are listening to Passage to Profit on iHeart, WOR 710. We'll be back after this break. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're here for our second pitch. It's by Christian Smeltzer with Suede. Welcome, Christian. You have two minutes. Go. The easiest way to explain the concept of Suede is if you were to take any type of uh, item facilitation site like eBay or Amazon or Facebook Marketplace and marry it or merge it to a site that allows you to do investment management like E-Trade, Robinhood, Stash, any of these other applications which are coming onto the market. It's really a barter site. We don't use the term barter too often. We like to reinvent the term of trade. Barter somehow um, infers a level of low quality. And what we've, what we've done, what we've tried to do is to bring the concept of trading, of bartering, to the information age. If you were to look back into uh, any of the historical dark ages, if you were to go to medieval times, you were to give maybe a pound of barley and you would get an equivalent value in either silver or, or wheat or, or, or bacon or anything that was a commodity at that time. Now it's no longer who has that value gets the value. It's whoever has the better advertising team. And we've seen that now with name brands charging higher amounts. And users are getting used to functioning as as the market tells them to. A coat is at its highest price point and only available new in the winter. So is a surfboard in the summer. Every single item on the planet functions like that with the actual supply and demand of those products. So if you were to take a system of bringing all of those in one house, a, a full spectrum barter application, which gives you data and collects all of the trends in the market validation to allow users to see 
when their product would be most valuable, it'll allow them to, to leverage that asset much more effectively. Thank you for sharing that. So how does the system work? So the system is a mobile and web uh, application. It has blockchain integration in it, so it allows us to track a lot of different functions that the users do, any navigation that they have, what they search for. It allows us to track what an item is really genuinely going for. What it is is, is we went for a real market feel. So if a product comes out on a store shelf and it's $100, but it's really only trading on our site for items that are worth $50, it allows those users to kind of keep those larger corporations accountable to really put those pieces on the market at a price point that's comparable. Are you able to grab uh, prices from multiple websites rather than just the big ones, people like wholesalers and discounters, and how are you able to also catch counterfeits? We naturally want to be very careful, and it's a real genuine concern. There's different uh, methods of catching counterfeit, either accounts or shipments. So the way that it works is essentially you know, a user will log in, they'll upload an item. The camera to upload an item is in-app, so you can't grab information off of an online source that has to be genuinely within your possession. In addition, because we're managing both sides, unlike an, uh, you know, a company like Amazon where one person is sending one person something else, both of these items are actually being shipped. So we're managing both points of the trade, which means if, if one item isn't ready to be shipped and the other item has been shipped, we can freeze the incoming item so that people aren't just going through a trade motion to get an item inbound. So that's another another method so, as well. So there's a simultaneous exchange feature, sort oh, of right. like people meeting on a bridge between, you know, countries and changing spies it's, or something exactly, like that. Exactly <laughs> like that. That was what we were going for. That's what you had in mind when you that's built exactly it, That's right? exactly what we had in mind. Yeah. So and in addition, also we urge people to utilize insurance options when they when they're shipping items. So there's a lot of different ways that we're able to to mediate. Obviously, leveraging payment information. The only cost on the whole platform is shipping. So we are going to have payment options. So if, an, if a person decides to to send uh, either an item that's undescribed, uh, we can return that item. We can leverage that against their payment option that they've uh, uploaded onto the site. In addition, um, going back to your other question about grabbing data from either large sites or different sites. So our algorithm, you put an item on there um, and, it, and you you enter specifics about the item. And what our algorithm will do is it will scour the internet in addition to our site and it will find items that are similar in condition and details and it'll grab the retail value. It'll compare that to the retail value of all items on our site that have traded for this item. What it does is it averages out that information and says the item's worth an average of 700 on the market new from either a Facebook marketplace ad, Craigslist, Amazon new, eBay lightly uh, lightly used, and then also comparing that and again averaging that out with it's selling for 700 average on the web, but it's trading for items worth a thousand on our application. So we're going to park that between eight eight fifty. So how do you account though for people who have items that are of different value? If I want to trade my tennis shoes for an iPhone or something like that, I mean, how does that work? It's just up to the to the people who are trading to make the value judgments. It maybe don't really care if there's a huge difference in value between two items. Yeah, so that's at literally leaning directly towards the concepts that we're getting at with changing how people understand value. Right now, you see value as how it could sell on a retail market. If you have an item, let's say one of the games you guys you know shared with us and it was opened or had been lightly used, if, you, if someone was to list that online, it would be comparing itself with all of the new games. Right, so you, it's literally competing against itself in either a new format with whether it's directly through you or, or one of your distributors, 
And the ability that that this program, this platform, Swade, gives individuals is instead of just giving you a scale, maybe the contender will go for $50 on your site. And since it's lightly used and it's open, I'm going to sell it for 40 That gives $10 options. That's an increment of $1 a piece. That's like 10 options for that user. Whereas they could, they could actually trade the contender for limitless options on Swade. So it actually gives the user way more options to leverage that value and to think of their trade much differently than just retail face value. Do the people have to be in the same country to trade with each other? Or can someone abroad trade with someone that's, let's say, in New York? We're actually launching locally here in New York first. And the reason why is just because we want to make sure that it's seamlined. Um, and if there's any issues with shipping, you know, we're local and we can make sure that those deliveries get made personally. After all of that, shipping integration is is, is put in seamlessly. We are going to be international. We'll be allowing people to ship things uh, across the world. And in addition, if there's one item that you want and it's maybe twice the value of the item that, that I'm looking for, I can combine multiple items on my profile. I can create a, you know, multiple items for your one item. But also, you know, again, going back to the concept of trade, you might value my item way more than I do because it was a collector item. It's something that has nostalgic value to me. It's something that my dad has you know, when I was a kid and I couldn't find it on Amazon.com. So there's a lot of different circumstances or scenario where individuals would, would genuinely value the other person's item more, even if the resale value is very different. So have you launched Suede yet? We've not launched Suede. We have uh, an MVP um, and a beta version, which we're about to put on the market. We're shooting for April 1st. What it's going to do is it's, it's a virtual version, so you'll be able to go around your house and upload items around your house and then virtually trade it. Um, and actually, the cool thing about Suede is that it, it grabs that data, right? Again, the beta data from other people who are using the application and then the retail value, and it allows you to have an online calculator of the things that you have in your library. So as you upload items, you'll actually see your net value calculator on your actual profile fluctuate, which will allow you to, to treat your items more like an investment instead of having to upload it to a site and actually just have it you know, sell. But in contrast, these other investment sites, which are really, really good ideas, are showing the validation in the millennial market for wanting to take more control of your finances. But if somebody was wanting to invest in, let's say, Stash or, or E-Trade, you would have to either have financial management knowledge, which a lot of people don't have, and you'd have to either um, have that money now or raise that money, set it aside, and it would be locked in an account. And you, you might make you know 9 to 25% based off of how the market did that day on that specific stock. While this allows you to take all the things in your house and turn those into stocks and trade them based off of their value. And so really is what it's doing is it's creating kind of an insight ability for you to harness the solid state value of everything in your house. Because everybody has, you know, $5,000, $10,000 worth of things in their apartment or their house that they're able to trade. We know everyone loves to barter. I mean, we see it all the time when we go to conventions. So I'm curious, is there, I think one of the most important parts of bartering for uh, consumers is being able to communicate. Do you have an ability for the platform for uh, buyers or users to be able to communicate with each other where they can then lower or lower their price for a specific trade? Just to clarify, there's no pricing. So if I saw something and I saw that I wanted that, I would offer you things based off of your interests that are on your profile. And then we could trade those items for other items, which is how we allow it to not have any transaction costs. Um, but yes, there is an insight messaging ability to where you can message that person um, and it's you know it's dual encrypted, so it provides security for both users. Are you taking subscriptions now? Can people sign up for this yet? Yes. Yeah, so obviously, our website is live. We are patent pending. In addition to that, so there's a lot of information on our website regarding the development. If you want to follow along, it's suede.com. It's S W A D E. It's half the word swap, half the word trade. Frozen ah. midframe. 
And you can go on. We're actually giving away 2,000 premium version subscriptions for free. And that's going on right now. So if you go to Sway.com, you can sign up just a, a name and an email. And we'll send you one email when the beta launches. Christian Smeltzer with Sway. Thanks for being on the show. You're listening to Passage to Profit. We'll be back with our third pitch right after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our third and final pitch is by Ronan Sartina with Novio Life. Welcome, Ronan. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, Novio Life is a, an e-commerce website, and we're promoting sustainable foods and consumer items. We're really a, a website for anybody that cares about sustainability, the planet, animals, their own health. And if you buy products from our website, you can know for certain that the story behind its production was a good one. You know, we can live abundant, rich lifestyles, eat great food, and have virtually no negative impact on the planet, our own health, and animals. You know, we can, in today's day and age, with all the technology that we have, we can have it all. But um, really, any other shopping site or retail outlet that you go to, it's hard to know, is this product, not only is it good for you, but is it good for the planet? Is it efficient? How much water is it using? Um, how much greenhouse gases does it put into the air? So we're really trying to be the the website for sustainable shopping for all of your groceries. And then we have a really interesting affiliate model where anybody that's passionate about sustainability can actually create a business by promoting our ideas and they don't need any upfront costs to do it. So if you're running a meetup, for example, and it's a vegan meetup or it's a consumer conscious meetup or even an entrepreneurial meetup, you can say, hey guys, like you're eating X amount of you know beef patties a week. Why don't you try the Beyond Burger patty, which tastes amazing, have a sample. And if that person actually starts buying from our website, they can earn uh, residual income on those purchases. So you can actually make money and do something you believe in at the same time. We're going to start off with a Sunday grocery delivery service where you set your weekly groceries and we'll deliver it to your door in New York City. And then from there, we're looking to expand our product line. So I was looking at your website and I thought I saw on there a meat substitute, but it wasn't like soy or anything. What was it? Right now, it's uh, it's plant-based meat. Uh, many people have heard about Beyond Meat. Wait a minute. Can you say plant-based meat? Is it really meat <laughs> if it's plant-based? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. On the site, it is. I, I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm sure it tastes great. I'm just Yeah, curious. no, of course. It's actually, it is the commonly used terminology for it, and they're calling it plant-based meat. They were, just raised $111 million around there for Beyond Burger, Impossible Foods, Richard Branson, Bill Gates are investing into it. Hundreds of millions of dollars are pouring into uh, R&D behind uh, meat replacement technology. Many people might not know, but 
while a filet mignon or steak or burger or pig, whatever you're eating, it tastes great. But uh, the process behind that is the number one cause for climate change, for deforestation, for water pollution, you know, all of these negative ecological consequences. And it's only getting worse as countries around the world are increasing their meat consumption. So the answer isn't, hey, the whole world, let's go vegan. You know, that's not realistic to expect from people. The answer is and always is to use technology to create more efficient production processes. And the technology is there and the products are there. What our company is trying to do and our website is trying to do is have that last piece of the puzzle, which is education. Consumers educating other consumers on living abundant lifestyles, but having a positive impact on the planet. One of the uh, obstacles that one of my former companies had faced when we were dealing with uh, different regions in Africa was the lack of education that some people have on terminologies, where just a few minutes ago, we didn't know plant-based meat was a thing. And how do you feel that that will be able to grow globally and have people kind of understand these terminologies and the impacts that they have when a lot of people in the world don't even know what global warming is. There are many other companies out there that are influencers and influencers, you know, promote organic foods and you'll get residual income, et cetera. And they've done very well. Thrive Market is a great example of that. And they've done very well. And, you know, we might leverage that in the future, but there really isn't many sustainable or any sustainable companies that has word of mouth marketing where people can talk about something they believe in and educate others and then at the same time also make income. So our initial path to market not, might not be as scalable or quick, but I believe that word of mouth education is actually the number one way people learn. And if we can really get a good community that incentivizes education through just common meetups or conversations, Amway has done this, many affiliate marketing companies have done this, but then we can partner up with a celebrity that actually believes in the meaning. And then anybody that listens to it now has a vehicle to actually get involved. I think that could be a really special future, and it's really what we're trying to work towards. A lot of consumers, I feel that uh, almost every industry somewhat intersects in, in this way where things have become a race to the bottom, where people want the cheapest options just for various reasons. And you mentioned a company like Amway, which focuses on multi-level marketing. And that's very similar to how distribution, at least in our industry, works, where sometimes people can never get paid, um, which is why we've gone direct. So how do you feel that your company can avoid that type of potential corruption or inability to actually have people spread the word, but also get paid while doing it to incentivize them to help grow? I love that question because <laughs> uh, it's actually, I think, the biggest hurdle when recruiting people. Any culture that focuses on sales is very transactional. And as a result, inevitably, no matter how much you preach, people are going to be incentivized to make transactions. Yes, you're making money by you know recruiting people, but 100% our culture is going to be focused on education. When people come to a meetup or learn about getting involved, it's not going to be, you know, join Novio Life and you're going to get rich. It's going to be join Novio Life and you could save 2,500 gallons of water a week, 70 acres of land, two animals' lives a week, et cetera. So I really think it's the message that we're promoting. And then not to get too much into details, but um, we don't have any upfront costs or any monthly minimums. So it's not going to be a, a pressure to sell. It's more just going to be pressure to educate because you care about the cause. This does seem more like an emotional decision than a money-based decision. And I mean, we do that. I buy eggs that are cage-free chickens that are supposedly running around because I don't, I don't want to buy factory eggs. But I one thing that we haven't, really delved into, you've kind of 
talked around it, is novio life. What is that short for? Any Hispanic listeners, novio means boyfriend in Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get that out of the way. (laughs) Is that part of your marketing strategy? (laughs) No, it's not. Uh, (laughs) It also means new life in Latin. But um, no, novio stands is short for no violence. Novio life, no violent life, and in the future, as we expand to Spanish-speaking places, we'll we'll probably change the name to No Valencia, which stands for No Violence. So, what is your website? It's NoviolLife.com. So, N-O-V-I-O Life.com. Ronan Sartina with Novio Life. Thank you very much, Ronan. You're listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710. We'll be back after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Well, welcome back, everybody. We've come to the end of our presentations this evening, and they were all great. Yes, once again, we hit a home run. Absolutely. And remember, everyone, to go to the Passage to Profit page at GearheartLaw.com. G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W, and vote for your favorite project. To summarize, our first pitch was by Sabine Harabedian with Abley. Our second pitch was by Christian Smeltzer with Suede. And our third pitch was by Ronan Sartina with Novio Life. Now Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once, and you have until next Sunday at 8 p.m. to vote. This evening's pitch contestants will receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt. And the best overall vote getter for the week will receive an Amazon gift card valued at $25. (laughs) But before we sign off, we'd like to say thank you to everyone who participated today. We just love hearing this stuff. We feel like it's a window into the future. And I wanted to say thanks again to our guests, Mark Goldner and Rachel Corson, who took us over the top in so many ways. I just want to thank everyone again. And you can visit our website at goldenbellstudios.com. We would like to thank you and all of our pitchers and our producer, Noah Fleischman, and our sound engineer, Rob Barretts, who really makes this sound good on the radio, and our media maven, Kenya Gibson, and the whole iHeart team. Don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches, and you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on iHeart Radio with Passage to Profit. W-O-R-7-10, the voice of New York.